Let's give these young people another way of encouraging and thanking God for their spirit and for their giftedness and their willingness to serve and to give God honor and glory. What an awesome God we serve to give us the gift of these young people and for that we truly are grateful. And so I want you to join me, if you will, just for a moment of prayer. God, we thank you for what our eyes have seen and what our ears have heard and certainly what our hearts have felt thus far in this worship experience. We pray that it has been pleasing unto you and we want to continue to please you. So we ask that you would anoint preacher and people, people and preacher, for I am simply ordained us, but all that I am and all that I am not is available to you for your service. So use us that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, may be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I, um, I often hear this, and sometimes I've even said it on occasion, said the question or raised the question, what's wrong with that generation? What's, what's wrong with that generation. I never say that about my generation because you know my generation got it right. It's the other generation, it's usually the younger generations. It's, and it's, it's such a, a familiar phrase, it's an offhanded phrase. It's said without sometimes even thought. And, and I've heard it even young children, eight, nine years old, will say it about little babies. Uh, what's wrong with that generation? What's wrong with them? Uh, as if your generation, my generation, has always gotten it right. As if we have always been perfect, that we were never wrong. Uh, but that's, that's really the wrong question to be asking, what is wrong with that generation? The real question that we should be asking uh, is, uh, can I pray for that generation? May I pray for that generation. Uh, and, and you shouldn't really ask, can I pray? Because that, that speaks to ability. And sometimes you don't want everyone praying for you. You won't say amen, but that's the truth. Some folks say, can I pray for you? No, that's all right. I'll be okay. Because you don't know what they're praying for. And sometimes... You don't even know who they're praying to. But if you ask the question, may I pray for you? If you are sincere in, in that question, you won't even ask, may I pray for you? Because you pray for people you love. You don't ask them. You don't wait for them. As a matter of fact, every child that you love, every young person that's surrounded by you, whenever you've offered up a word of prayer, you didn't ask them if it's okay. You didn't get their permission. You prayed for them because you knew that that's what they needed. And you knew that you needed to get them to God and God needed to get them. And so you weren't going to wait for permission. You were just going to pray. You were going to intercede. And so the question that we should be raising, not what's wrong with that generation, but what should I be praying for for that generation? What's the prayer that, that I should be offering on behalf of them? Because if you love them, then you'll be praying for them. 
It's not looking about, or it's not about looking for what's wrong with them, but it's, it's looking to find out how can I be a blessing to them. And some of you may be saying, you know what, preacher, I think you might be on to something. You might be saying something that, that is of value and of truth, and, and I want to pray for them, but I, I, if I'm really honest, I may not know how to pray for them. Well, I'm glad you asked the question. How could you pray for them? I, I don't have an answer, but the Apostle Paul has a great answer for the Apostle Paul gives us a wonderful formula, if you will, um, to follow. And, and your prayer could be this powerful Pauline prayer. Paul was writing to his friends at Ephesus to let them know that he was praying for them. See, uh, when you pray for someone else, it shows compassion. When you pray for someone else, it shows selflessness. Uh, when was the last time, I wonder, you prayed for a young person? When was the last time you were, I know this is COVID and we're starting to get back to places and spaces and, and you were somewhere and you saw a young person and that question came to mind, uh, uh, what's wrong with that generation? But instead of that question coming to mind, I, I challenge you, I would, I would ask that you would say, what can I or how shall I pray for that young person? And so Paul gives us a few things or a few ways, a few means to understand and, and how to pray for them. And the first idea, Paul says, is to pray for strength and the indwelling of the presence of Christ. Pray for, for, for strength and the indwelling of the presence of Christ. Pray, pray for that young person, that other person's uh, strengthening in Christ, because God can make us what we ought to be if we let him strengthen us by his might. Uh, I, I, I once heard someone say that we are not as strong as we could be because of inner wounds and inner weaknesses. We, we are so much stronger uh, uh, than we can be if we allow God to, to move in our lives. You ever, you ever find yourself uh, at your weakest point and you know it was God and God alone? You ever find yourself with no one but God and then you'll find out that God is able, that God is, is, is going to do some things that you couldn't even imagine because you are bright, you're smart, you're intelligent. You got it mostly together. And, and, but, but the times that it's off and, and you know it's only God that can pull you through. Well, the text says that we ought to pray for someone because there are inner wounds and sometimes we have inner weaknesses. Inner wounds, wounds that we tend to, to hide. You know, um, you ever trip uh, outside, you're walking down the block or something or you're in a store and, and you trip and you fall and the first thing you do is pop back up. You don't even uh, allow yourself, you, you, you jump back up. Why? Because you would rather not be embarrassed than to acknowledge the pain. And you know that hurts. But you would rather not have the embarrassment of people seeing you wounded. Now, if that's a little trip that you do and fall and a little skid and a little scrape, you pop back up because you want that to be an inner wound and hide that. Ah, how much more of the pain that we hide innerly? How much more of the wounds that we've been hurt and that, that we jump back up? Someone has said something to us and, and we keep hearing it over and over and over again in our minds. We keep playing that tape over and over again that that inner wound is there. And, and we look on the outside, we look good, but in the words of Smokey Robinson, take a good look at my face. 
You'll see the smile looks out of place and you can see the tracks of my tears. That, that there's somewhere in there, the inner, that you've wounded. And, and if you don't take care of that, if you don't pray, part of the struggle that some young people are going through, they look good on the outside, but there are some things that they're going through even right now. And you and I are called to pray that they would be strengthened by Christ. That those deeper wounds wouldn't hold them. The deep wounds are words that come from people that we love and trust. Deep wounds are, are not simple accidental falls, but those are the, the deep wounds that hurt. And, and we can get past that because uh, many of our weaknesses flow out of our pain. But God's spirit can strengthen us. Uh, do you know how strong God is? Do you not know that in your weakness you see his might? So Paul says, pray for their strength. And pray for the indwelling presence. Then Paul says, well, not only should you pray for their strength, but the indwelling, dwelling to, to dwell. You, your, your dwelling, uh, uh, dwelling is to settle down and it's uh, to have a home. It's not to have a house, but to have a home. There's a difference between a house and a home. A house is simply shelter. But a home is different because some people have shelters that they go to and that's because they, and I'm not talking about a shelter that the Department of Housing has set up. I'm talking about an address, 1313 Mockingbird Lane somewhere, and it's just a shelter because there's no real love there. There's no real support there. So it's simply a shelter, but a home, mm, it's nothing like going home. Uh, if you've ever been on your own or wherever it is, there's nothing like coming home. And, and I don't care how old you are and, and where you've gone, there's nothing like coming home. Because when you come home, you're relaxed. When you come home, you're yourself. You ever go to a person's house and you're not exactly sure uh, uh, who they are and they, and they tell you, you have to remove your shoes from our house. This is a, a house where we don't walk the shoes on in the house. And you think to yourself, man, did I wear the right socks? But when you go home, you kick off your shoes. You don't care whether you have the right socks on or the most comfortable socks. And you know what those look like. Uh, you just home because, you know, at home, you are welcome. At home, it doesn't matter. At home, you can be your authentic self. At home, you're truly yourself. At home, you are loved no matter what the world says to you. At home, you are loved. And God and Jesus Christ wants to indwell with you, that God wants to be home with you like that, that your heart would be the home for Christ, that Christ would be comfortable living with you, that Christ would be relaxed with you, and you would be relaxed having Christ in your life, that we ought to pray that our young people would have the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ. The indwelling of the Spirit of Christ, that's, that's what makes them strong. And, and in order for them to be strong, to, to grow up, uh, they, they have to be, it's like uh, plants. Any, any good, strong plant has good roots. Any good tree has good roots, and, and, and roots are so important. Not only uh, uh, do they, they, they hold on to firm foundation, but they also, it's the place in which uh, the, the plant draws nutrients from the ground. And if we want to pray for them, then we ought to be praying about the space and the place in which they draw strength. So what nurtures, nurtures you may not necessarily nurture our young people. 
Social media, and let me say this to our young people, social media is nice, um, uh, and, and for many, it is a place in which they draw strength. They look at a YouTube video. They want to know how to do something. They'll go online, join a group. There, there's so much there, but, but every now and again, you've got to be careful where you're drawing your, your nutrients from. And my generation and others kind of look at that and go, oh, why are you on the internet? You're always online. You're always online. Well, here's the problem. They were born online. As soon as they came out the womb, we gave them a gadget, and that's all they've ever known. They've always been online, and, and that's not their fault. Uh, look, uh, let me help you out. Uh, you may be like me. I was the remote control. I'm the generation that just started getting remote controls. Before me, I was the remote control. I'd be in the other room. My parents would call me. I'd have to go all the way into their room. The TV was about five, six feet in front of them, and they say, turn the channel. I was the remote. But now, now, I, I, when we buy new phone, new TVs and everything else, we hook it up to our phone that we don't even have to look for a remote. But it's, it's part of who they are. They've always had. And so when you think about being online, young people have always, or this generation particularly, they've always been online. And so they draw information. They draw a lot of things from social media. And instead of us criticizing social media, why don't we start praying that God would be in the midst of the media? I think it just said something. That, that, that instead of trying to get them offline, why don't we make sure that God and they are in line, that we would start praying that God would show up in different sites, that God would show up online, that God would, that, that their faith would be increased by Facebook. Wow, that's something. Uh, that their faith would be increased by Facebook, that, that somehow or another uh, God would show up in IG, that, that if we started praying uh, that God would be part of the social atmosphere so that when they are in places of weakness, when they are in places of doubt, when they are in places where they don't know where to turn and they just go to their default, their default would lead them not to a demon but to, to the divine. That God's word would be there, that they would find a space and a place to do that and, and be drawn in so that, that God would always be available to them. The old saints used to sing, uh, Jesus on the main line, call them up, tell them what you want, tell them what you need. Well, imagine if young people would have that same mindset that that they would just dial up, that they would not even dial up, but that they would just get online and a few taps and God would be available to them. Mm. So they've got strength. They've got some depth. They're, they're rooted in the faith. And, 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 and that really, Paul says, that's good, but you know, that, that still isn't enough because they have to have some comprehension. They have to comprehend. They, they, they have to uh, uh, not just be able to repeat. That's, that's a parrot. Uh, a parrot can repeat just about anything. If you teach that parrot well, uh, that parrot will, will repeat. If you say praise the Lord enough, even the parrot will say praise the Lord. It, it, but, but the parrot does not understand and cannot comprehend the depths of what it means to praise the Lord. 
A parrot cannot understand what it means to be saved. There's comprehension. And so Paul says you have to pray, you have to pray that they also get comprehension. And comprehension doesn't happen until you own it. Until it's yours, that you're able to explain it in your words. Certainly, you can repeat it, but it isn't until uh, uh, there is a gospel according to you. See, Paul and, and Mark and Matthew and John gave it to us in ways that we understand. It, but it isn't until we start living the gospel and the gospel starts living through us that, that people can understand that, that we take uh, the word of God and the word of God takes us to the place that we start living the word of God. It isn't comprehension until you own it. And, and all of this is so that Christ's love may be your love. There was a group foreign that says, I want to know what love is. They said, I want you to show me. And that's a great prayer. What if, what if, what if our prayer is for the young people? But I imagine that young people, like everyone else, their, their prayer is, I want you to show me what love is. Show me what love is. That means that, that, that I'm not going to waste my time on, on uh, mediocre things, but, but I'm going to love you despite it. And it's going to take a lot to love one another. Don't you know it takes a lot, but it's all worth it. So the depth, the indwelling, the strength, all of that is to be in a position of power. That's why God, that's why Paul was writing, God wants us to be powerful people. God wants young people to live out the power that is in you. There is some power that you can't even imagine. That's why Paul says that, that unto him who by the power at work within us, all of that is so that Christ can dwell within us. And when Christ dwells within us, we are empowered. We are in power. We are working out of that power. And we, when we work out of that power, then we're able to accomplish. That means you're able to do some things. You're able to make sure it gets done. You don't just start the job. You finish the job. You accomplish it. And Paul says more abundantly than we can ask, imagine, or or think that, that there is nothing too hard for God, that, that all of this is so that you can experience the love of God that will take you to a place that you don't even know what it looks like. Okay, you're looking at me like you missed it. Let me help you out a little bit, then I'm done. Uh, what you have, what we have in our pockets, these devices that, that uh, are, are called smartphones, if we're really honest, some of us older folks, smartphones have made us dumb. Remember when you had to remember phone numbers? You had a gazillion phone numbers. You could just rattle them off. Da, da, da. And some of you, if you're really honest, you remembered phone numbers based on the area that they lived in. Jamaica, so-and-so, so-and-so, uh, Hollis, so-and-so, so-and-so, all of that. You, you, you knew all of those numbers. Now you can't even remember your own phone number. But these young folks are able to understand algorithms and able to understand some things that you and I can't even comprehend. And, and they're just doing so many things above and beyond what you can ask. And if they are where they are today, you just, I, 
I can't even begin to understand, again, comprehend and imagine what you're going to look like when 20, 30 years from now, all the great things that God is going to do in your life, all the incredible things that that God is going to work through you, all the blessings that we are going to receive because you have been strengthened, because you have been empowered, because you choose to listen to God, because you choose to be used by God. You want to know because you know that you are loved by God. And when you know that you are loved by God, you know that nothing can stop you, that nothing can get in your way. I'm thinking about a song, All the Way Up. You can't help but be all the way up. You can't help but keep going because you know who you are and you know whose you are. See, that's power when, when, when that happens. And, and all of that is so that we can give glory to God. It's not about you. It's about giving glory to God. And, and, and you just heard them today. You heard them in worship. Uh, I, I'm confident. Some people say, you know, oh, I don't know about the church. I'm confident about the church. The church will not die because of them. The church is alive because of them. The church is moving forward. God's word is there. And, and, and we can't imagine what it's going to look like because here's the deal. It's not for you got quiet on me. Okay, let me help you out. Uh, The worship and how God moves is for them because God is always moving forward. And so how God shows up for that generation is not going to be how God showed up for my generation. Let me help you. One other example, God. Uh, there, There are some people who believe that the only music that should be sung in church were hymns. There was a time, Pastor, that's it. If it wasn't a hymn, it shouldn't be sung in the church. And then there, there, were, there was even a time where folks said if it wasn't a spiritual, there was this back and forth. And the evolution of music and, and the evolution, it's not for you. Whatever, however God speaks, because God is speaking to them. God is empowering them. God is moving them. And so if you really want to pray, what's wrong with that generation? If you want to ask the question, and that's, that's the question, they're doing some things that you have never imagined. They're doing things for God that you could not quite comprehend. What's wrong with these young people? They're exceeding your expectation. What's wrong with them? They're getting deeper in God. What's wrong with them? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Just because God isn't showing up like you imagine doesn't mean God isn't showing up. Because he's able to do above and beyond and power than you can imagine or think. So don't you limit God just watch what he will do in the, in the life with empowered, Holy Ghost-filled young people. Amen. Amen.